We're doing it. We're podcasting. Hey, Floridians, welcome back to another exciting episode of Florida Versus. Today we take on Michigan, but before I get to that, I have to say, it's Friday morning. Yesterday, I had a guest over to my home, and they said, wow, it's very humid in here. And it just, it's either my intense Floridian humid energy, or all of the wet laundry that was drying all around my house. (laughs) It's one of those things. Uh, (laughs) It's one of those things you can count on. And what you can count on here on the Florida Versus podcast is me, your host, Peter Murphy, taking you around the globe, or at least the United States for right now, to compare Florida and my exploits there to other states and other guests. Today's guest, Matt Pabian. You've seen You've seen his writing, you've laughed at his jokes. He's a writer for Bleacher Report, Animaniacs, and Family Guy. Continue to support all those shows. And yeah, so Matt can can have more, <laughs> more ember mugs. We get into that. Matt ties the record for most plugs, which is five. We get into that, and that's a that's a fun little run right there. I think we'll continue to do that for the podcast, see if we can get as many plugs as possible. It's a, fun, it's a fun segment. Matt and I have worked together a few times. He's uh, an incredible collaborator, good friend, good guy, good Michigan native. We talk a lot, of it, uh, a lot about food, and Detro- specifically Detroit-style pizza stands out to me because, uh, you know, you never, you never hear about that sort of thing. It's always New York, New York, New York, or Italy, you know, I don't know. It's like they invented the stuff, dang it. Anyhow, this is my chat with Matt. He's from Troy, Michigan, a real gem. If you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow, April 10th, I'll be doing a show opening up for Matt's band, something that he does not mention. Uh, (laughs) And uh, for details, simply go to my Instagram page, Peter underscore Murphy. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. And I got to give a quick shout out to, of course, Mike, Gina, Kevin. Collier, Justin, Dawn, Susie, Lindsay, Peter, Allison P., and Kelvin. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Even if you're just listening to it, that's support enough. Please enjoy this conversation with me and Matt Pavian. Everybody gets a song, Matt. Oh, God. Haven't played guitar in a few weeks. Matt's gonna judge me. I just saw Twin Peaks. Don't know what I'm gonna do next. Maybe I'll just interview Matt Pavian. He's got great skin. He lives in sin. He's Matt we were in trouble while you were look, looking for Twin Peaks. <laughs> but there he is, the man with great skin <laughs> and who lives in sin. Welcome to Florida Versus. I'm your host, Peter Murphy. There's only one other person that's going to talk, and that's my guest. His name, coming out of the great state of Michigan, 
for Michigan Month out of Mighty Troy, Michigan, the one, the only, Matt Pabian! What oh, an intro. Matt Pabian, you've seen him on stage, you've seen him and heard his voice in various animated projects. He's a writer for Family Guy, and now he's a guest on the Florida Versus podcast. Matt, how do you feel? Feel good, Peter. Okay. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. You know, Michigan Month, uh, it, it just so happens that I, have to, I happen to know a lot of Michigan people, uh, like, you know, a lot of them through you. So uh, on, on the podcast, the rest of the month, it'll be Joe Kirchhoff and be yeah. Matt Harding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know those guys. Yeah. And uh, better, uh, lesser parts of the state, but I'm sure we'll put on a good show for you. <laughs> Already getting into it. Uh, all right. Well, great, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is going to be fun. The first thing we like to do up top, plugs up top. Uh, what would you like to plug, Matt? Uh, I would like to plug Family Guy, still on TV, 21 years later. All right. Um, I'd like to plug uh, season two of uh, Animaniacs. I wrote an episode of that. That'll be out, I think, this fall, so lots of time to prepare. <laughs> lots of time to save up for that Hulu subscription. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and my uh, social media is awful, so I'm not going to plug any of that. <laughs> All right, two plugs. The record for most plugs is five. Would you like to attempt and beat that record with uh, at least three more plugs? Oh, gosh. Um, I can go for it. All right, let's I see. I would like to plug um, O'Keefe's Working Hands uh, hand cream. It's got me through the dry season and beyond. Okay. Um, I would like to plug... Uh, the uh, Ember Coffee Mug Corporation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, once you've drank coffee out of a battery-powered coffee mug, it's like it's really hard to go back to a dumb mug. <laughs> you got a smart mug. Every other mug's a dumb mug. Exactly. Yeah. You, I don't know why more people aren't pairing their coffee with their phones. <laughs> it's a beautiful pairing. It's a, it feels uh, like a huge waste. Of, I feel like I've lived my whole life wrong that I'm, uh, <laughs> I need to worry about both my phone dying and my coffee cup dying. <laughs> how does it, how, all right, any other plugs there? You got one, two, three, <laughs> four. I want to get back to each of these and I want to give them their own time. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I'd also like to plug uh, original master uh, record sleeves for your uh, vinyl collection. If you, like me, are a, a weird, lonely uncle, <laughs> you need a hobby, and you need to fill your days just meticulously putting your entire record collection into plastic sleeves, <laughs> there's nothing better than original master. <laughs> original master. Perfect. Well, you, you're, you're tied for the record now, Matt, and I, uh, I just have to cut you off before this goes too far off the rails. Uh, <laughs> so Matt, uh, you mentioned Family Guy, uh, 21 seasons on the air. Uh, can I, you've been with the, that show for a long time. What's, uh, what do you think, it, what's it like uh, being in a virtual writer's room these days? And how have you guys been able to adapt? And is it as funny, do you think? 
<laughs> is the show I work on as funny as as it used to be? Yeah. <laughs> Back when Stewie was trying to kill mom. Uh, the the peak of comedy. Um, <laughs> it's well, to answer your first question. It's been um, you know all these Hollywood writers' rooms went virtual, Zoom only, whatever. Um, and it it's difficult, but it's not too difficult. It's yeah. um, you know you you do, at times you do feel a little a little trapped, kind of staring at a screen with all your coworkers in little boxes, and. Uh, you know, a real life writer's room, you know, everyone's there in person. There's hopefully a good energy in the room. You're, yeah. You can, you know, get up, grab your snacks, fill your coffee, take a little stroll if you get exhausted. But like, it, it is a little, a little grueling to be on Zoom for, you know, five, six, seven hours a day. That's what I was just about to say. I like getting up. I like moving around. You know, uh, I'm a bit of a fidgeter. So has there been anybody on Zoom that's, uh, you know, been also like on a treadmill or on their peloton like during a meeting or something like that or really uh, like like pacing around crazily or uh, uh, has that I, kind of worn off <laughs> i've seen uh several standing desks pop up oh yeah what one day someone turns on their screen and you can tell they're like a foot and a half taller <laughs> than they have been um we've had once in a while you get somebody like in a moving car Oh, <laughs> no way, really? They, yeah, they'll use like the dial-in on the phone or <laughs> the, the true maniacs will, will just do, dial up the video Zoom while they're in their car. <laughs> Speaking of maniacs, uh, Animaniacs season two coming out soon. What was it like being a part of the team that revived that franchise, that beloved franchise? Did you feel the pressure or did they, uh, or was it, you know? Was Steven Spielberg in there saying, don't worry, guys, we'll get this. That, yeah, Spielberg <laughs> called me directly. I know. And he said, listen, the only piece missing from my team is that I need you and only you to write one 15-minute half episode <laughs> for this thing. Hey, Emmy eligible, buddy. I, uh, I'll submit you if you don't. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll make the billboards. Oh, wouldn't that be an amazing billboard? The what? What, what would? Oh, oh, my Emmy. An FYC, Matt Pavian, <laughs> Animaniacs, fifteen minute, yeah. half episode. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't deserve it. <laughs> but if that uh, billboard goes up on sunset. Speaking of things we deserve, we all deserve smooth hands <laughs> and O'Keefe's hand, the hand cream in early pandemic that you mentioned what's it called O'Keefe's hardworking O'Keefe's working hands oh oh O'Keefe's working hands green tin for your for all your YouTube viewers this is the stuff oh yeah good luck where how did you discover this um you know I wasn't always a dry hands guy <laughs> But, you know, father time is undefeated. And yeah. as the years go on, you're going to get some, some itchy dry hands from time to time. When the pandemic started, I was washing my hands so much that I think like I had some eczema, like breaking out. My hands were cracking and you, it, it was like earth was opening up and you could see the lava underneath <laughs> my flesh, which was, you know, my blood. And it was just absolutely awful. Did did you what what's um what's one 
pandemic inconvenience that you've had that's like not like a big thing but like ugh, it sucks you know other than obviously seeing your friends and you know all those, all those right um, the well for starters eczema mm-hmm. <laughs> oh was that what led you to the o'keefe's <laughs> yes oh, i decided okay. rather than go see a doctor i should <laughs> rub cream on it for you know six months um which isn't working so i think i'm going to see a doctor (laughs) (laughs) they're busy Uh, don't you know yeah if you don't gotta go don't go (laughs) right uh my i think my big inconvenience dishes oh Um, yeah no despite all of my fabulous hollywood success that um you know i'm sure your viewers are aware and your listeners uh I don't have a dishwasher. Really? My, yeah. So at work, we, you know, there's food everywhere. We get lunch ordered in every day. That's like five meals a week that I don't have to prepare. True. Sometimes more if I, you know, if I order generously and then save it for dinner. So just being alone by myself, all the food prep, all the dirty dishes, they stack up. And, um, Probably the fifth worst thing to happen in this whole pandemic. <laughs> Do you prefer you prefer the dishwasher? Easily like hands down? Oh yeah. I prefer hand washing just because it's more of a chore. You know, like it, it, I mean it's an obvious chore. The thing I like about the dishwasher is it sounds nice when you put it on before you go to bed, you know? It does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would put one in my bedroom if I was building it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> put it in the bedroom. That, that's all you need. <laughs> it's yeah. It's soothing, chug-a-lug, white noise. It's per. I mean, yeah. I mean, sign yeah. me up. But I, I prefer the, I prefer the hand wash the dishes just because, like I said, it's more of a chore. It's more of like ah, I gotta, you know, I want to take responsibility for this, and uh, you know, it's just some. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Speaking of uh, dishes, speaking of dishes, how do you wash that ember mug? <laughs> hand wash only so uh, I mean that's how everything gets washed around here yeah um, but yeah it's very safe to use you can fill it to the brim with liquids and speaking of safety the record sleeves when did you get into the record sleeves and are they for uh, are they for display are you displaying all your records or what's going on <laughs> um, I had a small vinyl collection before the pandemic started. And then once I stopped going out and everything was shut down and my recreation budget opened up, Mm. um, it's way too easy to turn into a just record loser. (laughs) Record audiophile or what what, what, audiophile? I don't know. uh, I guess. Not necessarily, right? I hate what I've become, but (laughs) (laughs) there are usually a record will be shipped or packaged in just a plain like paper sleeve, but those can have lint on them. They can be kind of staticky. So if you're a serious weird uncle, like I am, <laughs> then you can buy these special like transparent rice paper bags that are static-free, Ooh. acid-free, and they hold the actual record itself. Ooh. Uh, but, and protected from, you know, scratches and static and all those dust, all those things. The uh, they do have bags for the exterior, so you oh, can nice. the entire record, which I had not gotten into until literally earlier today when my package arrived from Amazon. 
Ooh. And I spent my entire lunch break putting <laughs> my records into like these little open Ziploc bags. <laughs> Do you put the, you don't put the physical, the round record, you put the square paper thing in yeah, it, right? Whole, mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. That's cool. Keep the, the tunes fresh. Of your record collection, what are a couple of your gems, a couple of your favorites that you, that you happen to have? Uh, <laughs> uh, God. A few that you're proud a couple of. We, I've managed to get a couple weird rare ones that I'm sure I paid way too much money for. Um, I have a, uh, actually, actually hanging up on the wall behind me. Again, your YouTube viewers can see it. Yeah. A, a Guster for the oh, first yeah. time ever released their debut album on vinyl in a limited green and black splatter Ooh. and they only made like 500 of them that's so, awesome if you're that's looking cool. at this one that means there's only 499 other ones out in the world and you know there's one day rare and precious thing one day all 500 of you guys are going to get together for a convention that'd be sweet yeah and talk about how little they're still worth where's you're <laughs> you're a big guster fan where's guster from they're from boston like boston the east coast Boston. <clears throat> yeah nice. they're like a uh northeast kind of college band hell yeah uh, man yeah and that's all and you have like pretty much do you have a lot of their collection uh i do i think any record they have that was put on vinyl i think i have it whoa yeah it took a little digging that's it's hard amazing. to find uh, the second album, Goldfly, in a limited edition gold vinyl. Ooh. Yeah. Just, yeah. oh, there's no limit to what you can waste your money on. <laughs> Man, a, a, you know, a true, you live up to your self-given nickname of Weird Uncle. Weird Uncle Paves. <laughs> <laughs> All very That's, cool. Exciting. What listen, were you saying? If I, if, I figure I'm probably never going to be able to buy a house in LA, so I might as well. <laughs> surround by little 900 square foot apartment with nonsense that i love dude hell yeah yeah and everyone's got those bands uh have you seen how many times have you seen been able to see guster live um i feel like i actually know this but it's probably 15 times Ooh! oh my goodness that's awesome yeah quite a bit what, uh, what, it's great to be into a band that's not that popular because it's pretty easy to get tickets. Easy to get tickets? <laughs> yeah. And much more affordable than, you know, your Springsteens, your Taylor Swifts. Your McCartneys. Your McCartneys, your, uh, your Insane Clown Posses. ICP. Well, ICP, speaking of Michigan, Matt, you hail from the city of Troy, Michigan. So, Matt, tell me about your hometown. Yeah, my hometown is uh, Troy, Michigan, in the Detroit suburbs. Um, pretty close to the city of Detroit. The northern border of Detroit is Eight Mile Road, and then the main thoroughfare through my city is Sixteen Mile Road. So it's only about eight miles away. Um, oh, so if you're if, for those of you doing the math, um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a very suburban suburb, like just very. Um, lots of like strip malls, chain restaurants, but also like we had golf courses and uh, two shopping malls. Whoa. Um, the nice one and the crappy one 
Um, and my parents only took me to the the crappy mall, Oakland Mall, for most of my life. What's it called? Um, <laughs> Oakland Mall. Oakland, okay. I shouldn't say crappy. Many, many great times there. But that was your classic, definitely your classic suburban mall. You've got your like JCPenney anchor store. You've got your Hot Topic. You've got mm. all the big pretzel stands. <laughs> <laughs> and any of the, the, the run-of-the-mill suburban mall stuff you wanted. But it wasn't until I was like in high school that my parents took me for the first time to the Good Mall, which was Ooh. the Somerset Ooh. Collection. Oh, so wow. Fancy, they don't even call it a mall. It's the Somerset Collection. Collection of stores? Oh, my yeah. goodness. And that was the one. That mall had like, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue and a Brooks Brothers and a Tiffany and like all this stuff that I had no idea existed. Uh, <clears throat> and that I felt betrayed. I felt my, like my parents were depriving me of, of the finer things in my town. You know, I, I, love, uh, I love just remembering malls. You know, like, just like you, we had a good mall, we had a bad mall. The Edison Mall, bad mall. My, I, you know, I'd say grandma, I'm going to Edison Mall. And you know how you know how parents are like, oh, uh, we've uh, you know I don't want to stop for food. We got that food at home. You know I don't want to go to McDonald's. We got hamburgers at home. Mm-hmm. My grandma was like, why do you like <laughs> the mall is so dangerous? My grandma would say, why do you want to go to Edison Mall? I'll just stab you right here in the kitchen. <laughs> I was like, we got stabbings at home. Yeah, exactly. We got the stabbings at home. Also, one thing I want to talk about the food court. One thing that we had in uh, the Edison Mall, uh, nearly every mall, bourbon chicken. Have you ever heard of bourbon chicken? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of bourbon chicken. Okay. Where have you found it? Have you found it in the mall? Have you found it in a, in a place? Like, wh- where have you found your bourbon chicken? Uh, you know, food court, like food court Chinese restaurant feels like the bourbon chicken <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it. That's the only place I found it in, in like yeah. food courts. Now that you mention it, I don't know if I've seen it at a regular Chinese restaurant that like has four walls and not like yeah, <laughs> or, a mall kiosk. I've never read it on a menu. I've just pointed to it through the glass, you know? Yeah. Oh, now we also had, and I, I didn't realize this was a Michigan thing until I left the state. Mm-hmm. We had almond boneless chicken. Almond boneless chicken. Almond boneless chicken. Almond chicken. like an al- like a like a almond milk like almond like all <laughs> like the famous nut Peter. <laughs> almond boneless chicken. It was what like, is that? It, I mean, similar to to your bourbon chicken or orange chicken, but yeah, it was like a lightly breaded fried uh, chicken thing smothered in a sweet uh, like almond syrup or almond sauce. Oh my gosh! Like that's that sounds like um, like a syrup, like a, almost like a maple syrup. Was that kind of the texture? Yeah, of it's it like no? like a glaze, like a uh, yeah. like like your orange. Well, yeah, like <laughs> the, all the other classic little <laughs> tiny fried pieces of chicken Chinese dishes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all it's all sugar chicken. That's all it is. I know. You know. You know what's so interesting is you know the the thing that gets gets me going about malls is all the food is Americanized. And I think that's why we find it, bourbon chicken in malls. It's like, oh, I'll eat that. Or what else is Americanized? Like like, like uh, chicken parm, 
You know, they're they're not making oh. chicken farms in Italy. You know, the the, the Sparrow can't. Do it. <laughs> I mean, they're not. No Italian is sitting down to a, a, a an authentic Sbarro stromboli at home. <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. And when you think when you think about Michigan, you know, <clears throat> would you say, you know, being from Florida, I under, I have a good understanding that it's a far out place. It's not. It doesn't necessarily represent America. But through your travels, through your time living just in the country, would you say that so goes Michigan, so goes the country? Like, is Michigan a good sample of uh, the United States, you, you think? Or, uh, or does it deviate uh, from, uh, from America, like, quote, unquote, as far as, you know, just uh, cultural things, uh, et cetera? I know, you know, obviously, Michigan, the, uh, the car industry is huge up there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I, I mean, I, at least politically speaking, Michigan's famously a, a swing state mm. and a stop for, uh, always a stop for presidential candidates. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it is, a, <laughs> it feels a little insulting to say this, but like, it truly is, it feels like kind of a middle of the road state that, you know, could lean slightly one way or slightly the other way. We've got big urban centers like Detroit and Flint. We've got uh, also <clears throat> out in the country. We've, I mean, you feel like you're down south in a lot of these places where you've got big hunting culture and lots of wide open spaces and woods. And you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's really cool and unique because I would say, you know, and now obviously this is me thinking best case scenario, but rather than a place like, you know, let's disqualify Florida because it's just, it's all over the place, but rather than a traditional liberal state like Port or like Portland or like, excuse me, Oregon, like Oregon or a traditional conservative state, let's say Texas, you know, Michigan at being a swing state, I feel like, I feel like, ideally like i'm like i'm like i'm thinking that there would be more respect on either side for the opposite side because you know there's not like in texas austin's the blue dot in a red state you know in um you know in in florida typically it goes red but orlando's a blue dot you mm-hmm. know rather than you know obviously you're talking about these the blue dots in the you know um urban areas and cities and stuff like that but i feel like in places like michigan you're much closer to your neighbor is uh, more likely to have opposing viewpoints than you do. And you kind of respect them. Does that come out or am I, am I just kind of uh, fantasticalizing that in my head? (laughs) You know, that, that might be true. It's also a, uh, there's kind of a general Midwestern politeness where like, Oh, it's sort of in many circles considered rude to, to discuss politics in many settings. Um, But uh, I, I think what makes what makes Michigan a swing state is that more people are willing to maybe change their minds a little bit, mm. or you know, not be uh, just married to one ideology for life. Um, I mean, there's still you know, of course, diehard conservatives and crazy liberal centers like Ann Arbor, yeah, um, and Detroit, but. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a, I mean, but what else makes a swing state besides people just being open to uh, other, you know, other points of view in a little, in a small ways. That's a really good, I think that's what it, it is. That's got to be the number one factor. Uh, I think in Florida, what makes it a swing state is uh, people are just <laughs> generally just kind of follow the other lemmings off the, uh, off the, <laughs> off the cliff and, oh, okay, yeah, we'll vote this way, this way, and this time, this time. And I, you know, I dump on Florida a little bit sometimes, uh, but, you know, I, that's not really, I don't really think about things in, the, in that way where you're kind of being so close, close to your neighbor. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. And yeah, I mean, I would say that that's what makes it a, a fun swing state in Michigan. Did, uh, and now growing up there was that um, like, what was that like? You know, uh, did, did you, it, it was a suburb of what Detroit you're saying? Yeah. And so would you travel into Detroit for any reason? Um, Detroit, it was when I was growing up, at least in the 80s and 90s, uh, Detroit was uh, a, still a pretty rough city, a pretty dangerous yeah. city in many parts. Um, the, uh, there was like a huge mass exodus from the city in the 60s after uh, the riots. And um, then the, uh, the auto industry <clears throat> suffered when, you know, import cars started coming in that were... Mm reliable and and well-built and um you know that that increased competition caused the auto industry to take a hit so detroit was a wounded city for a long time and it's uh but we would go in for you know occasional like sport like it's a four sport city so yeah uh, yeah tiger games red wings games those were uh those were in, in detroit um uh, my parents loved the theater. They had season tickets at uh, the Fisher Theater for <clears throat> my entire life, so they would go go down. But it, it wasn't no one would really hang around. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the people in the suburbs would go in for some event and then kind of immediately drive back. Yeah, um, or or for work and then drive back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It's not until kind of uh, recently that you know. Uh, people are starting to move back into the city and start, you know, land is cheap, building is cheap. So people are starting more small businesses, little restaurants and bars and breweries and shops and stuff. And, uh, you know, there's, there's life coming back to the city now. And um, when I, when I visit home and see some friends, I'll, I'll you know, we'll, we'll go down there and it's, it's really cool to see what's been changing. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, when I was growing up, it was like, yeah, almost a joke. Like, you know, don't, don't go to Detroit for anything. Well, <clears throat> now you go to Detroit and I know this is a, a very fun, quirky activity. There's something over there called, I don't even know what it's called, but it's a uh, football bowling, right? Oh, bowling. Yeah. Foaling. Mm-hmm. You just combine them. You just combine yeah. the words foaling. So I've been foaling. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So wait, tell me, tell me, tell everyone what foaling is and then tell them, uh, you know, the best strategy to do it. Fold, well, well, I'm terrible at it, so I couldn't tell you that. But uh, folding is a combination of uh, football and bowling. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like a tailgate game, but you've got two teams of two. You stand a distance apart, and at either end, there are 10 bowling pins set up. 
in a triangle, like your standard bowling formation. Mm -hmm. And instead of a bowling ball, you toss a football at the pins. And whatever team knocks them all down first wins, uh, wins that round. But, uh, and if you want to play, head on down to the Foling Warehouse in, in Hamtramck. <laughs> Hamtramck is a, uh, a little like city within the city. Like it's an independent city totally surrounded by Detroit. What? They've, they've claimed like a piece of land and said, this is not Detroit. This is, <laughs> this is a sanctuary of, of foaling artists. Okay. Well, I mean, it's uh, like in LA here, there's, you know, the city of Beverly Hills is totally engulfed by the city of LA or like West Hollywood, Santa Monica. Those are independent cities that are otherwise, you know, totally surrounded by LA. Got it. Got it. That. A little, and, little landlocked mini city. And, and the bowling pins are on the ground. Right? Yeah, they're on, the, they're on like a little raised platform that's only a couple inches off the ground. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a blast. It's any game you can do with a beer in your hand is a good time. <laughs> I agree. Regular bowling, hard to do with a beer in your hand, I got to say. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Unless you're getting the really... That's why I only go for like the six-pound ball because <laughs> it doesn't throw off my balance with the beer in the other hand. Six pounds in one hand, six pack in the other hand. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> Speaking That's of drinking a lot, let's talk about airports. <laughs> <laughs> so, Troy, Michigan, how do, you, how do you get there? What's the airport to take and what should we know about it? Also, any fun quirks about this airport? Uh, well, you know, What's the best airport to take? Troy, Troy used to have a little tiny like municipal airport. Ooh. I don't know if we still do. Um, yeah, a friend of mine uh, that I went to middle school with was taking like flying lessons when he was 14. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. But for the most, for most of us without private jets or our own little, little Cessnas, um, you're going to fly into Detroit Metro Airport. Detroit Metro. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, uh, fairly new, renovated, pretty oh, brand nice. new airport. Like the, the main terminal is only like 10, 12 years old or so. Um, okay. Yeah, they actually shot a lot of the movie uh, up in the air in that terminal. Oh, wow. Yeah, Clooney's been there. Clooney's been, he's, he's left his mark. He's, you can still, oh, you can sense that salt and pepper sexiness in the air. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I I went to this, I just went to this place in, um, in, I guess it's Burbank in Burbank. It's called Chili John's and been there for over a hundred years. They make it simple. Do you want chili on spaghetti? You want chili on a hot dog? Whatever. And their decor is very, have you been there, Matt? Have you been there? I have not. No, but okay. Chili must, on everything. Tell me about it. Must go. It's delicious. But the decor is very simple. Bricks, etc uh some neon signs and then on one wall is <laughs> a spray painted one-dimensional picture of guy fieri oh and, yeah. and it's in three colors so his mustache is yellow his face is red and i think the bottom chin strap of his facial hair is green and then it's another it's a stencil and then another stencil that says guy was here 12 slash 12 <laughs> Wow, so it's uh, it's a stencil though, like like a Banksy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't it be amazing if if Clooney had something like that. 
but it's like oh, it, in the airport yeah in the <laughs> just places that he's been but it's like his batman nipple suit oh <laughs> that would be incredible that alone would be worth flying in flying into metro just uh, to take a picture with that photo ops yeah that'd be uh <laughs> incredible i don't know if the city i don't know if travelers can handle that much appeal. <laughs> michigan's kind of um, in the middle yeah, Michigan's kind of in the middle of the uh, country. Uh, is it is that a big hub? Are you get a lot of connecting flights there, or because the airport's relatively redone, is it uh, less so? No, it's a pretty busy airport. It's an international airport. Um, oh, great! With uh, yeah, easy access to Canada. It's close enough to fly direct to you know Europe. I guess most airports are close enough to fly direct to Europe. Oh. If you've got enough gas, <laughs> you, fly to Europe. Um, you can go anywhere, man. You, you're up. Uh, but yeah, it is a, it's, it's busy. It's, a, it's like a main hub for Delta. Nice. Like they, they route a ton of flights out there. Any um, hidden gems? Uh, like, are we going to get any of that almond chicken? Almond, uh, <laughs> almond you know, I, chicken? The almond boneless? I have not almond boneless, yeah. uh, managed to... I, I, to be honest, I haven't looked for it, but I haven't found it either. So it could be around. Um, uh, well, for starters, there's a fun like people mover, like a tram that goes through the airport. Ooh, I love Automatic this. little train that goes just in one direction from one end of the airport to the middle to the other end. Um, so if you got some time to kill, take a little spin. <laughs> just like treat it like a little go-kart or like the Disney, the Disney tram that brings you into that, the, oh, uh, the park. Except, yeah. Instead of <laughs> Tomorrowland, it just takes you to like the even number terminals. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's some cool local, like local eats you can get, or at least the airport versions thereof. Zingerman's Deli. Yeah, very popular for uh, meat, their deli meats, and also their baked goods. Ooh, um, there's a, a a local diner chain called Max and Irma's. Do you, get, do you have a Max and Irma's? Do those go down south? No, you know we had a, we had a Jason's Deli. We had a Jason's Deli, which was trying to duplicate, you know, like a Cantor's or a Carnegie Deli, where they would stack their sandwiches super high for no reason <laughs> is that kind of the place that you're talking about um well Z zingerman's i mean yeah i mean it's a class not that kind of wacky over the top like yeah. you know going there for the pictures of your crazy sandwich kind of deli <laughs> right or it was an honest you know every day there, there's a lower tolerance for nonsense i think in the midwest <laughs> yeah <laughs> less, less tolerance for silly sandwiches um, do, you have, do you have any interesting memories uh, from any either any of those deli places, or uh, did anything crazy happen there, or or was that like a place you guys hung out when no, you were? No, uh, I mean we were uh, that <laughs> that that's a spot for the airport. I, I didn't really right. Zingerman's um, in my in my hometown. Um, no, growing up, it's all about uh, not just Troy, but for you know. Most of Southeast Michigan, it's uh, it's that Coney Island culture, which is like mm. uh, a Coney Island is a um, a diner basically that specializes in the the Coney Island hot dog, which is a Detroit specialty. 
uh, natural casing hot dog, steamed bun, chili, mustard, onion. Oh, yeah. Uh, which doesn't sound like it adds up to a lot, but it, it adds up to a lot. That's all um, you need. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those restaurants and those chains were started by Greek immigrants. So they would serve diner food, coney dogs, but then also usually like a selection of kind of Greek Mediterranean food, like gyros and, Ooh. Uh, you know, spanakopita, like those little spinach pies and Greek salads and... Um, I always do when, when someone wants to order Greek food, I always default to however they pronounce gyros or gyros. <laughs> I, I'm like, you say it first. I just want them to say it first. <laughs> I, I've only ever known gyro. Uh, I know there's like gyro. I've heard a few gyros that that's got to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds uh, like we we're just talking about. It sounds too. It sounds too Americans. It sounds yeah. too frenetic. But I'll in words that I don't understand or can't pronounce, I'll just usually mumble it like, oh, there you're and I'll point to it on the menu, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, a good safety. Uh, my childhood best friend, uh, Paul Hartalupus, lived a couple doors away. His family was Greek and he spoke quite a bit of Greek and he, he always insisted that it was supposed to be uh, Euro. Like, oh, like not a euro, but euro, like uh, that schwa sound, you know. It's more, it's more, it's more mumbled and aggressive. Yes, it sounds a little bit like a threat. Yeah, it sounds like if you knock into somebody on the sidewalk, you know, mm. like, and they weren't expecting, like, and, and you accidentally like hit them in the in the stomach with their uh, with your bag. Yeah, it sounds like a word shouted by a man whose lid just came off his coffee cup. <laughs> Some dumb coffee cup, no ember, ember cup. <laughs> no lid, no lid on the ember. Well, well, all this talk of food leads us into our next segment, what you eating, and we've already started talking about it. Uh, you mentioned a deli called, what was it called, Max and Irma's? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a, there's a lot it's, of- Is um, that more airport, is that more airport? Oh, well, no, there's, there's a few of them around. It's, it's a Midwestern kind of chain. Um, yeah, that was- uh, <laughs> There, there aren't a ton of, uh, you know, highlight places in, in, in any airport, but that's, that's a pretty, <laughs> especially because you can order chocolate chip cookies at the beginning of your meal and they will cook them during your meal. Oh my God. They bring you out a little tray, six hot, fresh chocolate chip cookies. What? Oh, it's incredible. Made to order. That's incredible. That is incredible. As you were describing it, I was thinking about Jason's Deli and obviously it was, um, this is a chain which you know florida is known for but like i was saying they're trying to be like a canter's trying to be like a carnegie deli etc but what they would do is they would have this unlimited salad bar which was great it was very good salad bar uh sadly i think salad bars are a thing of the past post covid or yeah or covid ad uh (laughs) in the year of covid our covid yeah 2021 (laughs) the year of our our lord covid but uh, but I would go there with my grandfather, and I don't know if you have any of these uh, dining stories with your family, but my grandpa would always embarrass me. Like, not on purpose, but he, like, he like grew up in New York, and he was accustomed to that food, and that food was so good. Like, I, I've only eaten at one place that he's ever eaten at, and it was a steakhouse in New York, and it was, like, incredible. It was just, it was, like, it was just amazing. But we would go to Jason's Deli, and there'd be, you know, he'd order like a corned beef sandwich or something. It's a 70 year old guy. 
and he <laughs> put it. Yeah, and uh, I don't know whatever he was in the mood for. He wasn't a turkey guy. Let's just say, you know, (laughs) he's not eating the lean meats. No, this is a cured beef, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his diet was a pack of smokes and a corned beef. Mm. (laughs) Oh, my tummy's grumbling. Skip the bread sometimes. Who knows? Uh, uh, But anyhow, they would bring it out on this plate. And he, the sandwich would, I'm not exaggerating, would be like the size of his head. And he would he would be like, like what is this? <laughs> look at the guy, look at the poor kid that's delivering the food. He's like, what is this? Like, there's too much. And he would he would take it apart and be like, and he would like he would he would take the toothpick out of the sandwich, take the bread off, and then hold the meat up. He'd be like, and he would <laughs> swing it a little bit. <laughs> was he upset that there was too much? He was upset there was too much meat. He was like, look at this. There's too much here. What am I supposed to do? And he like, he opened his mouth and he's like, my mouth isn't this big. What do people, what do you people do in here? (laughs) He would make a scene. He would make a scene, but it started off innocently enough. It started off like he was confused. (laughs) And this wasn't the first time we had gone there. And then he saw how it just, you know, it made, you know, I don't know, seven-year-old me just go, oh, you know, I just cover my face. And it, he, then he would be like, what is all this? What's all this for? This is a waste. <laughs> he's like, and wow. he would be, the, he's this guy. He'd be like, take it back. Just take it back. Assuming there's like some chef there. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he thought it was wasteful that he wasn't going to eat it. So his solution was to send the whole thing back where it's just going to get thrown in the garbage. So I, he, I don't think he knew what was happening in the kitchen, but he was, his, his thought process was send it back. Let's, let's, let's give you another shot at giving me a sandwich give here. A smaller sandwich. A smaller sandwich. Yeah. Did he know uh, that, that like to go boxes did he know that he's free to, uh, I mean, yeah. in, in most states, I think you're free to just take leftovers home with you. In, yeah, in Florida, if you don't eat it all, then uh, you get whipped. And, <laughs> uh, and they, they feed that, that food to the gator in the back. Everyone, mm-hmm. Every restaurant has a pet gator. Yeah. The, the chef, yeah. Right, the chef, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a gator with a little chef hat on. But, but he, no, he was just, well, he didn't want to go through the whole ordeal. He didn't want to, he just, you know, he was exhausted after a long day of uh, designing pools. He, uh, he designed pools. And uh, at this point in his life, he was also in the military at another point. But he was just like, I don't want to have to take the meat off this sandwich so it's a size that will fit in my mouth. <laughs> he was just like, I just want to eat a sandwich, you know. Uh, he's, paying for, he's not paying for the meat. He's paying for the preparedness exactly exactly which was fun and also oh my gosh not to outdo themselves or rather to outdo themselves jason's deli would have these gigantic football sized potatoes and what oh. they would what they would do they would have like these loaded potatoes and you know you've oh, got yeah. your it's everything it's like a traditional loaded potato it's a uh, buffalo chicken potato barbecue chicken potato etc all these like crazy toppings but what they would do is and when I went with my grandma, she would always order these for whatever reason, because she, she always wanted to get her money's worth. Uh, but, and, oh, and she, you know, she, she was happy for the, 
for the big sandwiches. She was like, Oh, I'll bring that home and I'll bring it into work with me tomorrow. You know, that's what, yeah. Yeah. Grandma. I'll use, yeah, exactly. I'll use my own bread, take this meat out of the sandwich, you know, extraditing the meat. But then the, 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 the potatoes were literally the size of footballs, sometimes bigger because they would cut off just the end of the potato, like in half an inch of two potatoes, then ram them together on the plate. Oh, so they would just make a, 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 a massive together two potatoes to make one giant potato exactly and then all the stuffing and junk in it would cover the fact that it was actually two potatoes and they were like wow we've you know th- they were tricking some people and you know some of those people were my grandma <laughs> my grandma's like how do they get these big potatoes grandma's been working in a, a grocery store you know, for like 10 years how do you you know how do they make these big potatoes and she's asking this poor waiter how do they make these big potatoes? And it's this, you know, this kid in high school. It's <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. Like, what are you talking about? This was frozen 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I, I'm glad grandma got joy out of her, out of that giant potato. Have Here's you ever, thing. did you ever yeah. break it to her? Did you ever tell her? Listen, was it, was it the, you know, the Santa Claus moment? Like you need to know the truth. No. So one day we went there and she was very hungry and so she ate to the bottom of it and she she looks and she's like peter she like whispers it to me <laughs> like it's some like it's a conspiracy hey peter you know it looks like there's two potatoes here <gasps> that must be what they did they <laughs> And then she, it all, it all starts to make sense to her. Like, you know, you know, there are numbers flying by her in in space and time and like, you know, clocks like rewinding backwards and like everything starting to make sense. She found, she found the stash of presents in the closet on December 10th. And she figured it all out. It all made sense. Did, uh, yeah. What were some of the places you went and did, did your parents uh, embarrass you at, at those places? Uh, no, not terribly. I mean, my, <laughs> my family's mostly reasonable diners. <laughs> That's nice of you. Uh, I, I sure never sent anything back, maybe in my life. I just, I just was happy to have any food in front of me. Yeah. I could deprived or anything. I just loved eating out, loved restaurants. Um, yeah, my dad would steal coffee creamers. Oh, the little ones? Little tubs, yeah. Little room temperature tubs of half and half or cream, whatever. <laughs> um, he would always grab like a little fistful of them anytime we were at <laughs> a diner or any restaurant that had those. Because my <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom liked it. She would enjoy a, a white Russian from time to time, but we didn't oh. really keep any cream or half and half in the house. So my dad's solution was to stock up on these little creamer packets. Oh, that's so funny. It was like this automatic thing. Like as soon as we sit down at the table and the waitress like, you know, goes to get us some waters or silver or whatever, my dad would just very like swiftly grab <laughs> some tubs of cream and then just like toss them in his jacket pocket. <laughs> and then would he ask sweet. for more? No, oh, never the- asked for more. No. Never. It, was a, it was a long-term con. <laughs> keep carrying out. Yeah, it it only backfired on us once. Oh no! He was wearing a. <laughs> it was after after church. We went to uh, the Ramshorn for breakfast. Okay. Uh, local twenty four hour diner. Um, oh yeah. 
and uh, that's closed now, sadly. But oh. he uh, put them on the out the exterior pocket of his sport coat for some reason. And then when he, we got back in the car, he opened the car door and then slammed the car door shut on his pocket. Oh, and the coffee creamers just exploded like little creamy grenades. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Well, that's the only time his plan, his secret plan backfired. Oh, my goodness. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do we do that? I do that, too. My grandma does that. She, oh, I don't mean to talk about my grandma but so much, but, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> let's not throw her under the bus. I do it, too. Maybe it was developed from her, but if I see, if I'm getting coffee, I'm like, Oh yeah, I want some of that sugar in the raw. I'll take a couple extra, put it in my pocket and you know, for home coffees. Oh yeah. What else do I take? I mean, I take a nap my glove compartment. It's got so many napkins in it in my car. My glove compartment has so many napkins in it. There's no room for gloves. Oh, and I know you're, you're a driving gloves guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, in this segment that we've already started, what you eating, I want to talk about, you know, what people are eating in Troy. You already mentioned the Coney's, uh, you, you've mentioned a few delis that are fun. Uh, anything else of note that people should know about in, in Troy and, you know, just in Michigan in general that are, people are eating there. Um, sure. There's, uh, uh, well, nationwide, I think the, uh, the Detroit-style pizza is finally having a moment. It really is. And I, I want to know what makes a Detroit-style pizza a Detroit-style pizza. Because when I see it, I'm like, oh, that's a deep dish? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, it's, it's similar to, like, a Sicilian pizza. I, I know that's, like, the, the other New York pizza. Okay. Uh, but uh, the I, I guess what makes it – the, the signature characteristics, I would say, um, is that the, uh, you use a special cheese called Wisconsin brick cheese that I don't even know if you can buy in any supermarkets. It's just like a weird commercial, <laughs> commercial kitchen cheese. Really? Yeah. It's uh, some proprietary cheese from some uh, creamer in Wisconsin. Um, but... And it's like, it's a hard, it's like, what is it? A traditionally hard cheese or a soft like cheese? A, I mean, it's, it's a medium firm cheese, like a Monterey Jack or a, or a cheddar and or, a, or even like a processed mozzarella. Like it's, it's similar, good, good okay. melty cheese, but it's got this nice, like kind of buttery Ooh. sort of tangy flavor to it. And you uh, kind of cut it and lay it down like mozzarella or do you grate it? Uh, neither. Oh. The, the traditional, traditional preparation is to make, cut it into like cubes oh wow okay because it goes into a hot oven and has to sit there for a while because it's it's sort of a thicker crust so the cube shape helps it melt a little more slowly so it doesn't like split and get oily Ooh, okay it's a lot, lot of engineering when it gets pizza. is that, it mo- is it but it's is it mostly the cheese that makes the Detroit style? What's the cheese has to go all the way to the edge of the pan. That's what I'm talking about. So you get this crusty, caramelized, crunchy cheese ring around the entire exterior. Yeah. Uh, the pan itself is a special pan with these like kind of sharp right angles. Mm. Um, that uh, I, I guess back in the day they were like industrial sort of general purpose storage pans that they would use in auto plants to like hold loose screws and bolts and stuff. 
<laughs> Someone just grabbed a couple of them and took them home. No <laughs> way. Them for, for pizzas, yeah. Um, oh, fun. But uh, it's you've got this light kind of almost focaccia-like crust. Yeah. It's, it's in an oiled pan, so it gets kind of all fried up and crusty. Um, the uh, sauce goes on top. Controversial. Okay, so it's so when you say focaccia, it, it, does it have like it's the focaccia type texture of it all, or yeah, yeah. it's just a light uh, same like seasoning. Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, it's a pretty standard okay. pizza dough flavor, just you know, flour, water, yeast, salt, maybe a little oil inside, but okay. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's just a, that nice kind of slow rise, nice and airy and bubbly. So even though it's like a thick deep dish situation, it doesn't taste like that. It tastes a little lighter, not like a big heavy Chicago situation. God, it's not as dense. Not as dense, no. Okay, nice. Surprisingly so easy to eat a whole one. So you've got this light, airy, focaccia-style uh, crust. Mm-hmm. Then, then you're saying sauce and then cheese? No, cheese. That's oh, no, yes. Yeah, it, it's uh, the cheese goes down first and then lay down strips of sauce. Oh. Yeah, the Detroit red stripe is, is one way I've heard this pizza described. Kind of like an American flag. Uh, maybe. We're more like a... Uh, uh, <laughs> like a Catalonian flag? A, a Peruvian flag? Like just <laughs> a few <laughs> red stripes. Not a lot of... Uh, Okay, yeah, like a Cuban flag or a Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> Whichever one uses the red fla- stripes, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, but uh, yeah, it all, it all adds up to a delicious pie. And if, oh. you know, every, every local kind of bar or tavern usually has their own. So like you'll get everybody's little take on the, on the Detroit style. Where you go. What are the, what, I mean, what sort of variants <clears throat> are within the traditional style. <laughs> how, far, how far can you go in one direction by still calling it traditional? Um, you know, the, the variations, I'll be honest, are probably pretty subtle because, yeah. yeah, like we discussed with the sandwiches, the, you know, the Midwest is very low tolerance for, for silliness. <laughs> um, even like toppings-wise, nobody gets too fancy. It's all just your classic pizza toppings, pepperoni, mushrooms, et cetera, supreme, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. Um, it's really just like something. It's almost always something you can't quite put your finger on, so, but you'll insist that you know your local place is better because it's tasty. Right. Now, you mentioned you put the, uh, so you, you mentioned crust cheese sauce. When you're putting the stripes on, do the stripes of sauce is that the right way to say it? The stripes of sauce? Or uh, what should sure. I say? <laughs> when you're putting the stripes of sauce, do you lay the sauce over the cheese or is that forbidden? Oh, yeah. That's good. Okay. That's you know, over the cheese. Okay. All right. Great. Wow. All right. Well, that's it. That, that's all it is to, to do the Detroit style. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And then there's there, the only major debate is whether the toppings go under the cheese or on top of the cheese. Some people... Ooh swear by under the cheese others insist on top it's uh probably the only major controversy in the detroit pizza community wow well i know you as a an incredible baker and oh, thank cook you. and cook 
what what say you on this on this controversy do you what do you do you go bread cheese sauce toppings or do you go bread cheese topping sauce and what and in your expert opinion yeah. what what cook what would cook it more evenly <laughs> uh in terms of cooking it more evenly well that's i mean I wouldn't say one is any better than the other. If you okay, if you're a pepperoni person, the uh, if you like those cuffy, crispy pepperonis, then they have to go on top because they have to go on top. Hot air, right? But that said, I grew up in a under the cheese toppings family. Like I, I've I have memories of being at certain restaurants or pizza places and it being specifically requested that our pepperoni go under the cheese. <laughs> wow. So it's, so it's the bread toppings, cheese sauce. Yeah, like it can be. Yeah. No, I, I almost I like inevitably, 99 times out of a hundred, I would just get pepperoni. So yeah. Yeah. Bordeaux, pepperoni, then cheese, then the sauce. I like the sound of that. The, yeah. The only advantage I think is that you get that pepperoni grease, just like soaking into the dough. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully soaking around the outside too. So the pizza kind of fries and pepperoni fat. That's what you want. I think that's what you want. That's what the bread's for. Also, you know, my time working in a deli, I realized that the best way to put any sort of like oil and vinegar or balsamic or anything on this or mayonnaise, mustard, whatever on a sandwich is to put it on the bread. So the bread soaks up. Cause that's what the bread is for. If you put it on the lettuce, then it just falls off. You put it on the cheese and it just dribbles off. And like, maybe it looks good on a Instagram photo where you're, you know, doing the monster sandwich, but you, the bread's got to do its job is what you're saying. Oh, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what, what better use for, for a pizza crust than soaking up all them juices. Oh, all man. them pizza juices. <laughs> that's incredible. That's amazing. Uh, so, okay. So, Anything else of of note of culinarily speaking in uh, in in Michigan? That, you know, I have to give love? a shout out. I do have to give a shout out to what I think is the underrated, maybe one of the most underrated contributions um, of the Detroit area to the to the the culinary history of America, um, and that is what is most widely known as a, a honey. Oh, honey, honey wrap, H A N I. Ooh. Um, at least that's what it's called at uh, National Coney Island, the National Coney Island chain. They call theirs the honey, but there's variations. There's copycats other uh, everywhere else. Tell me about it. A honey is a uh, I guess a wrap, a pita. Um, it is a, a grilled. Greek style pita, which is kind of a nice pillowy, fluffy one, not a lean, flat one, mm-hmm. um, with uh, chicken tenders that have been. Whoa! Kind of, <laughs> yes. Fried okay, fried. I'm on the edge of my seat now. <laughs> now we're talking. Yep, chicken tendies, um, fried, <laughs> kind of cut into strips. Uh, American cheese, uh, lettuce, tomato, okay, mayo. Oh yeah. Wrapped up. Um, the chicken's hot, the veggies are cold, the peas oh. are warm. It's kind of incredible. It's so simple, deceptively simple. 
Wait, is there any fried chicken tender kind of pita wrap? But it's yeah, it's something else. There's something about it that's just perfect. It's it's you know it's like a, it's a summer day. You know, like it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. It doesn't need to be so gourmet it's hey this is what it is and this is well executed i think that's the that's what we're looking for it's well executed oh yeah it's a a much uh, a very welcome addition to the uh you you know end of the night yeah with your friends go go you need something crazy to eat coney's open 24 hours so So instead of a coney or you know a breakfast or whatever the honey just hits that right yeah that 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 sweet spot of everything you want and you'd find it you'd usually find it post bar or is this something you're going for midday <laughs> uh, oh you anytime any time of day peter you can have it for lunch okay i've had it for lunch i've had it for dinner i've had it uh all hours of the day maybe not breakfast but okay sam I there's am. no wrong time <laughs> yeah exactly Just listen to your heart <laughs> so it's it's the wrap it's chicken tenders cheese lettuce tomato is there any sauce on it or is there any like dressing uh just mayo i've seen i mean mayo okay most i would say half of the people who order it will get some ranch on the side okay yeah you know i think that's true anywhere we love our ranch here in america I saw this one place, I forget exactly where I was, but I thought it was so, I forget where I was because it was 2.30 in the morning. But there was this pizza place and they had a full pie and oh, I forget what it's called, but they would, they would make a cheese pizza or whatever toppings you wanted. And then when it came out of the oven, they put, they piled high just like shredded mozzarella cheese so like cold mozzarella cheese so you could eat it um, so it wouldn't burn the top of your mouth. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. I, think I don't I know what. On, yeah. <laughs> some, something that was on Food Network in the middle of the day. I think I've seen right, probably. Pizza yeah. yeah, yeah, to protect like the top of your mouth because, you know, we can't be trusted. No, absolutely not. We can't be trusted to wear masks, let alone <laughs> the health of the inside of our mouths. Oh, no, you're going to take that <laughs> lava hot pizza and just press it against the roof of your mouth as hard as you can (laughs) well i'm hungry all right to wrap things up matt uh it's uh our final segment one last thing one good thing what's one if you know if i'm dropped in troy michigan what's one thing i should know what's uh one thing i should equip myself with what's something i should have in the tool belt or you know what's one place that uh, i should go or mentality to have any advice um my hot tip uh, here, well, we've got a fun photo op. Oh, I love it. <clears throat> uh, a fun photo op for any visitor to Troy, Michigan. Um, I-75 yeah. runs, runs right through. Oh, yeah, that goes down to Florida, right? Goes all the way down to Florida. Oh. That's our main. That is literally our. I've been on that interstate more than I've uh, slept in my bed. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I have, too. Uh, I, I'm so delighted we have that in common. Peter. 75. Uh, 75. Connecting us a whole nation away. Um, Man, you know, that'd be a sick tattoo. Right on the shoulder here. Let's we do could, it. Oh, we could get like matching friendship tattoos one day. We're like, I have the I-75 coming out of my hand in Michigan. <laughs> and I have I-75 just on my dong. Yes, for Florida. Florida. Perfect. <laughs> and then we put them together sometimes. And exactly. And so also you mentioned your uh, and your mitt. Uh, you should uh, explain to people uh, 
what 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 that means? Oh well, the state of if you meet anyone from Michigan, they'll do this obnoxious thing where they'll just point at their hand and say, "I'm from here." Uh, but that is because the state of Michigan, the Lower Peninsula at least, is shaped vaguely like a mitten. Oh. So you kind of have a built-in map of the state, and all of us Michigan people can kind of point at our hands. You'll get a general idea of where somebody's from. It's very oh, amazing. So then uh, uh, tell us about this I-75 uh, photo op. Yeah, so uh, uh, the Troy isn't very big, but we do have five I-75 exits, and one of oh. them um, is the exit onto like the main sort of thoroughfare in Troy, Michigan. Uh, which is Big Beaver Road. Oh, yeah, okay. And Big Beaver Road just happens to be exit 69 <laughs> off of nice. I-75. So if you're on I-75, pull over and get that photo up underneath that exit 69 Big Beaver sign. 69! <laughs> <laughs> if that sign... I mean, it's too big to steal, which is probably for the best. <laughs> I can only imagine if it was any smaller, they would have to replace it twice a week. Big Beaver oh, Road. Big Beaver. Exit. Is it exit 69? Yeah, exit 69, oh. Big Beaver. Well, um, I want to go just for that. That's uh, You should. Everyone should. I mean, don't go for, you know, J.D. Power and Associates World Headquarters. <laughs> That's how white collar and corporate my hometown is. We literally, the headquarters of the company that gives awards to other companies. <laughs> JD Power is the uh, is is in your hometown in Troy. Yeah, there's weirdly a lot of corporate. It's very white collar kind of uh, office corporate mentality. There's a lot of uh, like JD Power is based out of there. Honey Baked Ham World headquarters are there. Weirdly, no way. Flagstar Bank. Um, used to be the home of Kmart World Headquarters. Really? Yeah. Um, a few people that uh, I graduated high school with got jobs at Chico's World Headquarters, which is in Fort Myers. Oh, wow. Chico's. Oh, I know Chico's. I don't know anything about Chico's. What is Chico's? What is, well, I don't even know what it is. It's clothing. Chico's, like, yeah, it's clothing. Stuff. There's one in... Somerset Mall that we discussed earlier, the fancy part. There's a Chico's. Oh uh, my gosh! It's it's like a um. Uh, it's kind of like a rich suburban mom store, like lots of sort of billowy kind of tops and uh, you know luxurious wraps and and that kind oh. of thing. But in sort of funky patterns, I want to say it's. It, is it is it mostly women women's clothing? I think so. I mean, it's okay. been I've, I I. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in or near a Chico's. I don't know if I've ever been in a Chico's. I don't think I have either, but just based on the, the, the logo and the level of excitement that people have with it, it, it it's like a lot of, it feels like a lot of um, fluorescent flowy tops for men and women and, <laughs> and three quarter length pants. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, that feels right. Like yeah. a nice, lightweight, summery fishing pants. I got to Oh, yeah. I got to get inside of Chico's, damn it. You got the hookup. Your friends are at, head, at HQ. Have them send you, sponsor the pod for a week. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A crate of Chico's gear to wear. 
this is neither here nor there, but the one girl that I know that was working there seriously, uh, her name's Lauren and she went to the university of Alabama. And when I was in, um, when I was in college, I went to Birmingham Southern for my freshman year and I traveled to Tuscaloosa to visit her because it was a crazy party school. And on that day we saw somebody, a kid literally get thrown through a glass window <laughs> at a frat house. Wow. And, and so the story was the kid, like, I was like, you know, that's, that was what you do is Greek life. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That was what you did in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You belonged or you didn't. And Lauren was trying to get me into this party and uh, she's this, you know, this like cool, you know, blonde chick. And she's like, she's like, oh, I brought all my girlfriends. And, you know, this is my friend. He's visiting from out of town. And they were like looking me up and down. And then I looked to my, almost like there's like a bouncer in like a club or something like that. <laughs> I looked to my right and this kid, I just noticed this kid, this guy gesticulate, like, you know, just like, like he looked fierce. He was inside the party and he's huge guy. He was like massive, like linebacker. Mm-hmm. And the, he goes, and apparently he was in the fraternity and he goes to this kid who's a pledge. Cause it was, you know, freshman or uh, it was fall semester. This is pledge. He goes, Hey, get me a beer. He goes, I don't know who you are. I'm not getting you a beer. Oh my God. That's, and that's literally all I, all there was picks this kid up by the his neck of his shirt and like, you know, and his belt throws him through the window and like there were shards of glass around me and i was like lauren i mean we could go anywhere else let's go to and then we just ended up going to pita pit and we ate it oh yeah ate at pita pit and then drank in her dorm um which you know what are you gonna do so yeah it sounds like things were kind of volatile at that time probably <laughs> so. wise wise to steer clear for the night things were crazy any oh yeah speaking of parties any uh any like wild house parties that uh, you encountered in Troy growing up around there? Uh, you know, interesting. I, I didn't get invited to those parties. Thanks for oh, get out of here. Oh, that, seriously. I was a, uh, I was very much an in-betweener kid. Like the only people who were, when I was growing up, the people who were, you know, having raucous, you know, parties with, uh, booze and no parents were either like kind of the like burnout kids like the <clears throat> you know the skater kids or the you know metal heads or the, the kind of the punks and stuff or uh, okay it was either them or like the super popular kids mm. um which i definitely was not one of so uh <laughs> but most dude of my, yeah. most of my wild parties were just like you know uh xbox in the basement with a pile of, of chicken nuggets. <laughs> but dude. <laughs> and my, I, my friend Kevin and my other friend Kevin. Two Kevins. Two Kevins, yeah. Kevin, Kevin, and Matt. Well, what about, I mean, the Godspell rap party must have been sick. <laughs> or Technicolor uh, Dreamcoat. Weren't you in theater? Uh, I was in high school theater. And those kids, um, you know, they got a lot of partying to get out. Because they don't get to a lot of, they don't get invited to a lot of parties either. Did those uh, parties get crazy or were they pretty tame uh, considering? They were, I mean, at the end of the day, they were still a bunch of theater nerds. So there was like, a, I mean, staying up late and like blasting, having sing-alongs to, you know, cast recording CDs of like Rent, because that's the cool play. Right. Uh, oh, right. 
What made Rent the Cool Play? It was. It was like the most known, but what made it the cool play? Oh, because it was about just like sex and drugs and AIDS. Um, And it was all the cool stuff. It was the music was modern and it it was a rock opera. And the the lore behind the show, the the guy who wrote the show, Jonathan Larson, uh, died very suddenly, like the night they were supposed to premiere on Broadway. Oh my God. that on top of everything else of like you know the show about <laughs> about all these you know uh nobodies who are trying to be somebody's in new york city um created this incredible the whole vibe yeah yeah i feel like there's some rent backlash now because it seems corny after all these years but i'm still here for it i'll still stand stand for rent all that singing in parties prepared you for your ultimate piece of street cred when it comes to me, which is uh, we were at the very first emo night LA. That's right. Ever bef- as it launched the very first one is at the shortstop in echo park. We waited in line. We went in there and it was me, you Sarah Moselle. I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody else was there in our party, but Oh man. Emo night LA. I mean, it wasn't even was. called emo night. Yeah. It, it was, was called like, Taking Back Tuesday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What do you remember about that night? Do you remember anything? Oh, my God. Specific? I remember they, it seemed like they had one bartender for 200 people. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two bartenders. Uh, I remember them being very understaffed. I remember waiting in line. I re- it was like drizzling. Yes. And I remember waiting in line for like a long time, like in more than I expected to wait in line for emo night, but... <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, and I also rem- I remember having a lot of fun up front. It was very fun just being on the dance floor and you know screaming, <laughs> infidelities, <laughs> screaming, <laughs> literally <laughs> screaming infidelities. Um, but I I do remember as the night wore on, like the emo DJs just started like playing lots of the like weird deep cuts, and <laughs> at one point I looked up and like the. Uh, the DJ had a girl up there and he was like standing behind her and had his hands like guiding her hands on the mixer board. Yeah, like, almost like, like a miniature golf date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like puppeteering this this poor girl. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll teach you how to DJ. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was a ton of fun. It was a hell of a night. And uh, yeah, we were there, man. At Emo Night LA. Uh, I remember the girl that I was dating uh before this she had broken up with me and she or we had broken up and then she she would revise that story (laughs) (laughs) there's a story about us breaking up that will make its way onto the podcast eventually but not 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 this night anyhow we broke up in such a way where the earth was scorched and it still is and uh, she's into she's heavy into music and we had seen brand new together and she brought me to all these concerts because she works in mu- the music industry and we went in there and I didn't realize it but apparently she knew some of the promoters at the time and she told the doorman don't let Peter Murphy in here <laughs> and then I get in there and the first person I see Amanda first person I see and she stares me right in the eyes and both of my eyes, one of her eyes, because she had like the swooping emo bangs. Right, yeah. And she swoops out the, the swoops out her bangs and goes, What do you how did you get in here? <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, I told them not to let you in. 
I was like, oh my God. And then luckily this is a bar meant for 80 people. And like you said, there were 200 people in there. Luckily I was in this like current of people holding hands and moving. And I was just like, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> and then uh, I was able to avoid her uh, for the rest of the night, but, uh, but, oh, what a blast. And uh, yeah, there day one. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure you were, well, you, you two were both in the right place for, uh, for emotions. Oh man. Yeah. Where do we go now for emotions, Matt? Where do we go? <laughs> um, I don't know. We got to, we all just got to scream infidelities in our showers until, uh, until we can go to concerts and stuff again. I hear you, man. Well, with that in mind, I'm going to go scream into my shower, into a pillow, into my refrigerator. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Peter. Absolutely. Anything, anything further to add? This has been a, a pleasure. Uh, no. <laughs> Hard no. Nothing further. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you've been a great guest. You're a great friend and very funny. Everyone's going to check out Family Guy uh, this season, next season, and every and twenty at least twenty more years. You know. Oh yeah. I hope- <laughs> I hope I die before Family Guy. <laughs> hey, knock on wood. <laughs> hey, Floridians, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.